Hello everyone, you're listening to another episode of When in Spain. My name's Paul Burge, I'm your host, and this is a podcast show all about Spain, about living here, figuring out Spain and Spanish culture from the point of view of someone who's not originally from here. If you're a long-term listener, thank you for continuing to listen and follow the show. And if this is the first episode of When in Spain you've listened to, well, also welcome along and I hope you continue uh, listening. And don't forget to check back uh, the back catalogue of around 41 other episodes. Coming up in this episode, I'm going to be talking about 17 habits that I've picked up since living here in Spain. I got thinking about this about a week and a half ago. Uh, I was back in the UK for a week to visit friends and family, back to Oxford. So apologies that there was no When in Spain episode last week. Um, but as I say, I was back in the UK, and sometimes when I go back to the UK these days, I have a kind of reverse culture shock, if you like. Uh, certain things, uh, differences that I notice, things that I do differently since I've been living in Spain, and I notice those differences are kind of highlighted more when I go back to the UK. So that's what got me thinking about habits that I've picked up since living in Spain. I sat down, I gave it some thought, and I've drawn up a list of 17 uh, habits that I reckon I've picked up since living in Spain for the last few years. I also put this question to the When in Spain Facebook group. So thanks to all of you guys uh, who got back with uh, your habits uh, that you've picked up since living in Spain. Uh, really appreciate your input and uh, many of which I've included in my list of 17 habits and also many of which were the same habits that I've picked up uh, since living in Spain as well. So big thanks to you guys who uh, contributed via the Facebook group. Uh, just a quick announcement before we get into that. I'd like to give a big shout out and a big, big thank you to a new When in Spain patron, Michelle Olenda. She is our 21st When in Spain patron. So huge thank you to you, Michelle, for showing your support and helping secure the future of the When in Spain podcast by pledging your donation. Muchísimas gracias. And for any other listeners who also enjoy When in Spain, uh, don't forget you can also make a small donation via the crowdfunding website called Patreon. Via the Patreon page, which is patreon.com forward slash when in Spain, uh, you can head across to that uh, crowdfunding page and uh, there are different tiers for different levels of support. So um, you can support When in Spain for as little as just $1 a month. I had people asking, why is it in dollars if uh, I'm in Spain? Why isn't it euros or pounds? Well, it's dollars purely because the Patreon website is uh, run from the United States. So all uh, donations and pledges are made in dollars. It's super secure, really easy. So um, yeah, just to say, if you do enjoy the podcast and if you regularly listen and you find it entertaining or useful or insightful in some way, which I hope you do, um, and you'd like to show a little bit of support uh, to help me cover my costs in putting the show together, um, then you can do so at patreon.com, P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com forward slash when in Spain. Unlike many podcasts who have the backing of big uh, broadcasting operations, who have sponsorship from big brands, uh, unfortunately I don't. I produce this because I enjoy bringing you my insights from Spain. I work completely independently. I guess it's what you call a passion project. And uh, well, it's just me. It's just me, uh, my laptop and a microphone and, uh, and my time and energy to put this together. So there we go. If you'd like to contribute, there is a way of doing so via Patreon. As I always say, enough shameless self-promotion. You're not here to hear about how to donate money. You're here to hear about uh, habits habits that I've picked up after living in Madrid for uh, several years now. And I've also spoken to a few uh, uh, friends of mine who are not from Spain, and uh, we've compared notes as well. And many of my friends uh, here tend to agree on the list of habits that I've drawn up. So number one on my list 
of habits that I've picked up since living here, number one of the 17, well, I'm going to call it dos besos, two kisses. Yes. Uh, now, this is not something that is unique to Spain. And I must just add here that uh, these are my habits that I've picked up compared to my old life, <laughs> you might say, back in the UK. So for listeners from other countries around the world, you might think that actually for you, these are not sort of unusual things. They might be things that wherever you're listening from in your country um, that are, are considered normal in your everyday life. So my comparison is, of course, I'm from the UK. It's uh, comparing things that I didn't used to do in the UK, but that I now do in Spain. So yes, dos besos, two kisses. Um, well, this is really, really common. When you greet someone, whether it's a friend or a, a member of uh, your family here in Spain, uh, when you greet each other between a man and a woman or between two women, it's really common to give two kisses, one on each cheek, starting, I think, with the right cheek and then the left cheek. They're a little bit, you don't actually plant your lips on the cheek of the person, but you kind of touch cheeks and you make a little beso, a little kiss, a little kiss sound. Um, I really like it. Um, some of my friends I was talking to about this struggled to get used to the concept. Uh, in the UK, um, we don't really do it. Um, it's becoming a little bit more common, um, but we tend to give each other a hug um, if it's close friends and family, uh, or if it's between two men, we normally shake hands, depending on how intimate your relationship is. But here in Spain, dos besos, two kisses, uh, always common, not really between two men, uh, maybe between very close uh, male members of a family might give two kisses. Um, but also I've noticed it's also common to give two kisses to total strangers. Um, for example, uh, if you're meeting uh, some friends and they've brought one of their friends along who you've not met before, you're total strangers, you would still give them, uh, if it's a girl, uh, in, my, in, in my case, I would give the girl dos besos, two kisses, and, uh, and if it was a, a between two girls, it would be two kisses. I'm quite fond of this tradition. I think it's quite civilised. I think it's quite sweet. But one thing I've noticed, and I noticed this uh, the other week when I was back in the UK, that I've gone to do it to people in the UK and they've been a little bit kind of taken aback or it's been a bit like cumbersome and awkward or I've kind of leant forward to give dos besos and they're like, oh, okay. And maybe we've just had like uh, one kiss and then they've kind of backed away. Um, having said that, I would say in the UK, it's slightly, it's becoming a little bit more common now to give two kisses uh, between close friends, um, but not really, not compared to Spain. So there you are, dos besos. Uh, sometimes I find that it can be a little bit, not annoying, but uh, a little bit awkward because uh, let's imagine you've arranged to meet a group of friends and it doesn't matter if you only saw each other yesterday. Uh, let's say you've arranged to meet up in a restaurant, you arrive, the group of friends are already, your group of friends are already sat down at the table. And let's say, I don't know, let's say there's six of you or eight of you or however many, you kind of have to give everyone two kisses. Now you find yourself kind of leaning over the table, uh, bending around, trying to get to them other, <laughs> with other people in the way. And also it can be, try, uh, can be quite time consuming. So you arrive as eight people and you've got to really, you know, you can't show any favouritism. You can't ignore some people and just say, well, I'm not going to give you two kisses. You have to kind of do it to everyone. So sometimes it can be a bit awkward, a bit cumbersome and quite time consuming. And people do this uh, when they first meet, but they also do it when they bid each other farewell and say goodbye. And as I say, this could be uh, a night out, could be a meal, it could be when someone comes to your house, it could be if you uh, bump into someone in the street, you'll be exchanging dos besos, two kisses. Sometimes you'll find uh, that people do this in uh, quite formal situations. I, I can remember on a couple of occasions uh, going for job interviews, for example, when the uh, people who were interviewing me for a job, who tended to be actually females, um, I found that, you know, arriving at the office for the interview and you first greet each other, 
Yeah. Uh, in many cases, even in that situation, which is very formal and you don't know each other, uh, you would exchange dos besos. I can remember when I used to work in an office and a new staff member would be joining the company and they'd be shown around the office and they'd be brought over to your desk by the uh, human resources manager or something like that. And everyone would have to get up out of the chairs and give them two kisses. So it's not just uh, informal friends and family. It can really be for anyone at all. Number two, uh, this one's quite interesting because it's something, uh, a habit that, you, uh, that I've developed, and I think a lot of people develop uh, kind of subconsciously without, without really realising that they're doing it. And I'm going to call it uh, uh, language interference. So what I'm saying is really how uh, I've noticed that since learning Spanish now for many years and I've uh, now reached uh, a fairly advanced level, that I've started, when I speak English, saying things in a kind of Spanish way, if that makes sense. Phrases, I find myself translating them into English and they don't quite work or they're not common. Um, for, I'll give you an example. I find myself saying super a lot instead of really. So I could say, for example, oh God, I'm, I'm super tired today. Or um, it was a super annoying situation. Or I was super excited to see uh, my friend who I hadn't seen for a long time. Uh, so like prefixing things with super, when I guess in reality, in English, we'd normally say really. I'm, I was really uh, angry. I was super angry. I was really excited. And I would be saying things like, I'm super excited. And of course, this is because in Spanish, they use the prefix super a lot. Estaba super enfadado. Estaba super emocionado. I was really uh, annoyed. I was really excited. So prefixing things with super, and I've not really noticed myself doing it, until I've listened uh, back to, well, actually some podcast episodes that I've recorded, and I've noticed myself saying super a lot. The other one is the word curious, which I find myself saying an awful lot. And it's a word I never really used to use before in, in when I lived in the UK. And uh, it's because in Spanish, when someone tells you something and it's uh, intriguing, you know, like, oh, that's interesting, or mm, they would say, es curioso, es curioso, curioso, curious which really is how they would say, oh, that's interesting, mm, interesting. And uh, I've, something I've picked up. And now when I speak English, I'm speaking English, I find myself saying, oh, yeah, that's curious. Yeah. And or curiously or, or something like that. So these kind of yeah language interferences between Spanish and English. And there are many more examples which I can't think of right now. The other thing is the sort of sounds that I make uh, particularly, for example, when I'm thinking. Now, in English, when we're talking and chatting and we have a little pause to think about what we want to say next, we would say, um, yeah, I'm not sure. Um, I'll let you know. Um, 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 is what we would say, certainly in the UK. And, for example, in French, they would say, um, uh, je ne sais pas, je crois que... Uh, uh, and they've got this uh sound. Well, in Spanish, they've got this, it's a kind of higher pitch. So instead of saying, um, they would say, um, eh, 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 bueno, eh, a ver, a ver. Something like this, and it sounds strange. And I've noticed myself doing that. Obviously, when I speak Spanish, I do it but also when I'm speaking English. So instead of saying, um, I'm not sure, I'd be, I'd be saying something like, um, I don't know, mate. Um, I don't know, let's see. Curious. There you go. And that just popped out of my mouth without even thinking about it. So some of the sounds you pick up as well, you're kind of uh, cross-pollinating Spanish and English. Number three. Now, this is a really random one that I would never have thought of before, really, and certainly something that I wouldn't have uh, expected when I came to live in Spain. Um, and you're going to think, well, this is bizarre. And I'd be intrigued to see if any other listeners out there uh, have had the same experience. Now, um, well, I'm going to call it not going barefoot indoors. Yeah, I know it sounds a bit strange. Maybe if you're not living in Spain yet or you haven't been to Spain, you're thinking, what? Um, yeah, not going barefoot indoors. Now, I've noticed since living with a, a Spaniard and also since spending time with lots of Spanish friends and going to their houses, uh, you'll find that it depends on the household. You may be, it may be a household where you take your shoes off 
uh, when you arrive and leave your shoes at the front door or in the hallway, or maybe not. But either way, um, I've noticed many, many times uh, Spaniards will offer you a pair of slippers or a pair of flip-flops uh, when you arrive at their house to walk around their house in. Now, in the UK, uh, this would never happen. Um, and, you know, I was used to, in the UK, walking around the house in just socks or barefoot, maybe in the summer. And, and I guess it's because in the UK, maybe we have um, carpets in most cases, wall-to-wall carpets. Whereas in Spain, as I'm sure many of you know, you have uh, tiled floors or what they call, I think, tarima, which is kind of like a, a wooden a wooden floor, a poly- or polished wooden floor or parquet flooring. And I don't know if it's to do with that, but I've noticed that Spanish people sometimes get a bit squeamish seeing you walk around barefoot in their house or, or in their socks. And they will say, oh, no, no, here you are. Here's a pair of flip-flops. Here, here's a pair of slippers. And I have a good friend of mine, in fact, who lives in Barcelona. And uh, when I go and visit them, he's, uh, he lives with a, a, a Spaniard. And uh, by their front door, they have about, I don't know, six pairs of flip-flops for guests for when they arrive. And uh, he's made it clear on many occasions, oh, um, make sure to put some flip-flops on me. Don't walk around the house in bare feet. So I don't know, a, an interesting cultural difference. I'd be intrigued to see if anyone else has had, the, uh, had a similar experience. Um, but yeah, putting, putting on slippers or flip-flops to walk around indoors and not going, certainly not going uh, barefoot or walking around in your socks. Number four. Uh, well, we're going to go through a few now, which, of course, are to do with food. Um, now, eating out more. I've noticed I eat out a lot more since I've been living in Spain than I used to back in the UK. In the UK, eating out was more of a special special occasion, uh, maybe, or maybe you'd eat out once a week or once a fortnight or certainly for someone's birthday or something like that. Um, But I've noticed here eating out is really much, much more common. You're more likely to eat out, certainly for lunch, which I would say is less common in the UK. The reason being, I think that uh, in Spain you have the classic menu del día, which is the fixed price lunch menu, which are incredibly good value. I've talked about it a lot in previous podcast episodes that you you can get a three course lunch for about 10 or 12 euros, sometimes even less than that, which includes three courses. It includes wine, a coffee, a beer, bread, uh, everything. So I think for that reason, people tend to eat out more for lunch. And it's something that I've certainly found myself doing a lot more since living in Spain. Um, I think the other thing is I've noticed is that Spaniards, when they socialise with their friends, uh, tend to arrange to go out for a meal together rather than inviting each other around to each other's houses for dinner. It does happen for sure, but I would say it's much more common to arrange to go out and eat together in a restaurant or a bar than it is to say, hey, come over and we'll cook for you tonight. Again, I'd be interested to see anyone else's uh, views on this. So eating out a lot more. I think it's just purely because it's cheaper. Uh, sometimes the kind of meals that you can find in, in Spain, it would cost you more to cook it and prepare it yourself than just simply just go to a restaurant. And uh, and uh, it's a much more enjoyable uh, experience. I would say Spaniards are much more outdoorsy kind of people. They like to be outside of their house a lot more than maybe we do in the UK. And I guess maybe that boils down to climate Uh, good weather and that kind of thing. Uh, Connected to that, um, eating later. Of course, um, and I did a whole episode uh, last year about this kind of Spanish timetable. Um, And it's true, uh, people do eat later in Spain. And I'm really talking about the evening meal uh, and lunch as well. Now, this is something that, yes, I know, Aguirre complaining about Spanish meal times. Um, I, it, it's taken me quite a while to get used to it. You know, after 30 odd years of eating meals much earlier in the UK, uh, I found it, I have found it a little bit more difficult to uh, wait until 9.30 or 10pm to eat dinner or to have lunch at 
two, two o'clock or three o'clock in the afternoon. Uh, I have got much more used to it now and it has become much more of a habit for me. Uh, certainly midweek, um, having lunch at uh, two or three o'clock in the afternoon and eating dinner later uh, certainly can be very late uh, uh, at weekends, especially if you arrange to meet up with friends to go out and eat. So eating later um, has become uh, something of a habit uh, for me now. Okay, this is a, a little random one, a small a little habit that I've picked up, a small thing I've noticed. I'm a big coffee fan. I love coffee. I can't get through my day without at least a couple of cups of coffee. Uh, and in Spain, you'll find pretty decent quality, cheap coffee in most bars uh, in Spain. I've noticed that in many places, they will offer you the choice to have your coffee in a cup, in a, in a white porcelain or china cup, or in a glass. And I've really got used to asking for it in a glass. For some reason, I don't know why, I like drinking coffee in a glass. So I'll give you a little glass and a saucer. So now when I order a coffee, if I'm out, I will always request a glass if it's available. And this is something I would never do in the UK. In fact, I don't think I've ever seen a coffee served in a glass back in the UK. Number seven, kind of connected with this, I guess, eating and drinking on the go far, far less often, much less often. Now, if I'm thinking about when I was back in the UK last week, I kind of slipped back into my old habit of grabbing a sandwich from a, a sandwich bar to take away and maybe a coffee or a tea in a cardboard cup. And I would walk along, go about my errands or my business around the city, walking and eating at the same time, walking and sipping a coffee at the same time, which you will see in the UK all the time. People are on the go. We might say, uh, you know, having a coffee to go or eating a sandwich on the hoof. Now, this just really isn't as common in Spain. People, you know, really take time out to sit down and enjoy their cup of coffee or their sandwich or their snack or indeed their tapa here in Spain. So it's less common to see people ordering things to take away. It's less common to see people eating a sandwich on the metro, drinking a coffee while they're walking around the shops. And I guess, yeah, this is a habit that I've picked up. Uh, this is something that I do far, far less often than I used to. And I think it's because, you know, having these pauses to eat uh, and take your time to actually enjoy the act of eating and drinking. Very rarely uh, order any food or drink to take away and I don't really walk around Madrid eating and drinking as I would uh, back in the UK and certainly for lunch. And, you know, I found myself doing it many times the other week uh, when I was back in Oxford, ordering a sandwich and a coffee. And that would be my lunch, walking around, getting on with things that I needed to do, eating on the go. Number eight. Uh, this is a, a quite an amusing one. Tipping, what they call in Spanish, dejar propina. Tipping in Spain, well, people do tip, but they tip very, very little. Um, certainly compared to the UK and certainly compared to the United States where I uh, have also lived before. Tipping in Spain, people typically leave a few coins, whatever it might be. I'll give you an example. I went out with Karina and some friends on, uh, when was it, Saturday night? And we sat out on a terraza and we ordered some different pieces of food, some different raciones, croquetas, tortilla. We had some beers. We were sat out there for a couple of hours. The waiter was coming out and bringing us our drinks and our food and collecting the dishes and all this kind of thing. And I don't know how much the bill came to, probably about 30 euros uh, between the four of us. And we ended up tipping between the four of us. I don't know, probably a total of about a euro. 80 cents, something like this. And for me, it's something I still kind of feel a bit uncomfortable with because in the UK, uh, we would typically, typically tip, I don't know, uh, at least 10%, maybe 15%, possibly a bit more if you've had really good service. Now, that's not to say in Spain that I don't personally tip more if I feel I've had exceptionally good customer service. They've been really friendly, really helpful, and especially if there's been a big group of us. And sometimes I'll find that uh, some friends will just tip, you know, 20 cents, 30 cents, 50 cents, and I'll be chucking in a couple of euros because I just think it's worth it. But yeah, um, tipping a lot less is um, common in Spain. And when I compare it to the UK, sometimes still for me, feels a little bit uncomfortable, uncomfortable, a little bit strange. 
But certainly in Spain, that's the culture. Wait, waiters, waitresses, people who work bars and restaurants don't expect great big tips. And I think sometimes it's definitely a telltale sign uh, of someone who's not from Spain when they're leaving, you know, five or ten euro tips, which... Frankly, without sounding bad, um, I think, you know, Spanish people would very rarely do. Number nine. Um, now, this kind of uh, goes slightly contrary to, to what I've just been saying about eating out a lot more, I guess. But I've uh, noticed that since living in Spain, I have been cooking from scratch a lot more. Now, again, if I compare with the UK, and I think I've touched on this before in previous podcast episodes... Um, that still in Spain there isn't really this culture of ready meals or microwave meals as we sometimes call them in the UK. You know, uh, in Spain they call them platos hechos and uh, you go to supermarkets, you will find them but far, far less than you would in the UK. In the UK you go to any supermarket, they will have two, at least two aisles full of ready-made meals, whether it's pasta, whether it's, uh, it could be Indian food. I mean, nowadays, there's basically any type of food you can find, which is uh, all pre-prepared and microwavable. And you just stick it in the microwave for a, couple of mi- uh, for a couple of minutes and that's it. Now in Spain, no, people still take pride in actually cooking things from scratch and they take it very seriously still. And I think it's great and obviously much healthier. Yes, more time consuming, which is again, is something that I've kind of wrestled with, like how much time do I want to be spending preparing food and it's certainly an influence uh, a habit that I've picked up through uh, being engaged to a Spaniard and since living with Karina who is very (laughs) insistent on you know fresh ingredients cooking things uh, from scratch and that has gradually rubbed off on me and it's also just because there is not the availability of food that's ready-made like back in the UK. Uh, Number 10 again staying with the theme of food uh, a lot of uh, food habits here um, I have found myself eating a lot more seafood. Now, um, I've always loved seafood, uh, even back in the UK, where it's less common. Uh, there are less seafood options on uh, restaurant menus than in Spain, which is kind of strange given that the UK is an island. And I think also in the UK, people are a, a little bit more squeamish about, about eating seafood. Whereas in Spain, even here in Madrid, which is right slap bang in the centre of Spain, seafood gets delivered into Madrid at, I think, the second biggest uh, fish and seafood market in the world. Um, so the availability of good quality, fresh seafood is absolutely abundant in restaurants all over Madrid. And I've always liked seafood. And it's always, you know, there, there are always going to be several seafood options on any Spanish menu. And for that reason, I found myself eating it a lot more. And I love it. And it's great. It's one of the, the things that I absolutely love about Spain is the abundance of seafood. So I found myself eating a lot more seafood compared to the back in the UK. In the UK, people might eat prawns. But other things not really and I guess it's also because seafood is one of the key classic Spanish makes up many of the key classic Spanish dishes uh, that you will find on menus. Number 11 daytime drinking yes now you know okay in the UK you might go for what I would say a cheeky pint uh, on a weekend lunchtime in between your shopping or you definitely would uh, arrange to meet up with friends in the afternoon to have a few drinks Um, But midweek, I wouldn't say so. I would say it's quite unusual that people would leave their desk, go on their lunch break in the UK, uh, head to a restaurant and uh, sit down and then order wine or beer with their food. Um, Whereas in Spain, really, really common. And it's not kind of frowned upon. It's not seen as something strange. And hang on, you know, let's say, you know, and let's remember, you know, we're not going out at lunchtime and drinking five glasses of wine and getting smashed and drinking pints and pints of beer. But, you know, I really like it because it's a kind of civilised, it's this civilised attitude to alcohol. And uh, going back to one of the earlier habits I talked about, this this idea of menu del dia, very affordable, fixed price, set price, set menus for lunch, which include alcohol uh, as well. Uh, daytime drinking, midweek, or what I might say lunchtime drinking, uh, you find yourself doing it a lot more often uh, here in Spain. Number 12. Uh, greeting people more. Now, this is uh, something that came up a lot in the Facebook 
uh, when in Spain Facebook group, when I put it out there, so tell me what your habits you've noticed yourself doing a lot more than uh, in your respective home countries. Uh, yeah, and then lots of people said greeting people more. And yeah, it's kind of true. Um, you know, you walk into any kind of uh, shop, chemist, bank, certainly in bars and restaurants, um, it's more common to say hello, uh, good afternoon, how are you, uh, something like that. You wouldn't just walk in and nod, or you wouldn't even necessarily just walk in and say hi. People take the time to sort of greet each other more. I wouldn't say that that's necessarily, in my experience, common on the street, you know, uh, walking past someone and saying uh, hola, buenos dias, hola, que tal, hola, buenas. Not so much. Now, I don't know if that's a Madrid thing. I don't know if that's a big city thing. Um, as I know, many of uh, you guys, listeners uh, who live in Spain, live in uh, small towns and villages where I think it's probably more common to greet each other on the street. Um, certainly when I go into my building, my apartment building, and uh, someone else is coming down the stairs, of course, we will say, hello, how are you? But one uh, interesting thing I've noticed with this, and this is something that I've never uh, we never do in the UK. In fact, I've never experienced this phenomenon anywhere else in the world. When you get into a lift in Spain, now imagine you call the lift, the lift doors open and there are three or four people uh, standing in there. You walk in and I, I've always found this. Um, people will always say, hola, que tal? Hola, hola, buenas, hi, good afternoon, whatever, when you walk in. And it's kind of strange because you greet each other, the lift doors close, you stand there in silence for 30 seconds or however long, no one says anything to each other inside the lift. And then when the doors open again and you walk out, you will say uh, adios or hasta luego. And you will say goodbye in a lift. And I've also noticed this when I've been to uh, swimming pools, uh, like municipal swimming pools, where they've had like a steam room or a sauna. And it's kind of strange. You're sat there and someone, you know, and let's imagine there's, I don't know, half a dozen people sitting in the steam room or the sauna. And uh, someone will walk in. And they will say, hola, buenas, hola, que tal? And they will come in and say hello. And then sit, everyone sits there in silence. And then when someone gets up to leave again, they will say, hasta luego, or adios, and say goodbye again. Now, I've never experienced that before uh, anywhere else in the world. So that's kind of curious. Uh, number 13, starting a night out much, much later. Yeah, now again, this goes back to the Spanish timetable where everything shifted forward, everything happens later. And I have talked about this before. And uh, yeah, uh, it's something uh, that I've got used to. It's more of a habit now to arrange to go out with friends uh, much later than I used to in the UK. You know, here I wouldn't even consider sending a text or phoning a friend to meet up at, you know, seven o'clock or 6.30 or something like that. Uh, even my uh, non-Spanish friends that I have here in Madrid, you wouldn't do it. You know, it's just not done now. You know, you wouldn't go out. All the bars would be either closed or, or empty. Uh, and even, you know, midweek, but certainly the weekend, people are not going to be going out to socialise and uh, have some drinks or go bar hopping until I would say at least nine, nine thirty, but more likely 10 o'clock. And this again happened, uh, if I make the comparison, on Saturday when we met up to go for drinks with our friends, we met, uh, I think we met at half past 10 and we started eating and having beers at about 11 o'clock. Whereas when I was in the UK uh, last week, uh, I was catching up with friends and we were arranging to meet up at 6.30, 7pm. So yeah, again, the, the, the timetable completely different. And uh, I struggled with this at first because for me it's a kind of a case of once I've uh, once I'm home and once it gets to about you know eight o'clock and I'm you know lounging around on the sofa watching tv or listening to music or reading or whatever I'm doing uh, it's more of an effort then to to kind of drag myself out to get changed to have a shower to get ready think about leaving the house at you know nine half past nine and I'm talking at weekends or midweek, really. It's a bit, you know, got to wrench yourself out and force yourself out. Whereas in the UK, as many of you probably know, it's much more common to go out straight from work. You know, if you've arranged to meet up with friends, you won't bother going home first. You will just go directly from wherever your workplace is, directly to a pub or a bar and, uh, and meet up, uh, like I said, at six or seven o'clock. You won't go home, eat chill out for an hour, have a shower, then get dressed again, and then go back out at, at 10 o'clock. Just wouldn't happen in the UK. 
Number 14, uh, being more direct with people. Uh, Particularly, I suppose, really, I'm thinking about when you're ordering things, when you go into a shop and buy something. There's a lot less, please, can I have? Uh, Please, may I have? I would like. And I'm sure many of you have heard about this before. And, you know, I'm not saying it's, you know, people say, oh, it's a bit of a cliche. People aren't blunt and rude. And it's true. They're not. But to someone who's not used to it, this kind of interaction... Uh, transactional interaction in bars and cafes and shops at first might seem a bit blunt, a bit direct. And I think people misconstrue it to be, you know, to be that it's rude. And it's not. It's not. It's just a more economical dialogue. It's something I still find a little bit difficult because there are a lot less, there's a lot less saying of please and thank you and thank you very much and please and please and thank you. You know, and I've noticed, you know, in the UK, you go into a shop and you buy something. The dialogue will go, you'll put, you'll put the thing on the counter and you'll say thank you and the shop assistant will say thank you. They will tell you how much it is and you'll say, oh, okay, thank you, give them the money. It's another please and thank you and thank you. All these pleases and thank yous in just one tr- transaction. In Spain, it's just much more direct. It's like, here, go and you know it's quite common not to say please can I have it's just give me and that's it and it's not considered rude but I still feel it's a habit I am I wouldn't say it's a habit I've completely adopted it's a habit I'm gradually picking up to stop saying please and thank you please and thank you all the time and again I've noticed it among you know among friends and some of my Spanish Spanish friends have said this to me you know when you're sitting down to dinner and I'm oh please can you pass me the salt or oh thank you or please and it's like no no no, 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 no pleases, nothing. Just, just take, just give me the salt. We don't need pleases and thank yous. And I've heard some of my Spanish friends saying they think they find it a little bit fake, a little bit false, this kind of constant pleases and thank yous all the time. They just see it as unnecessary. Uh, number 15, again, this is staying with food. And it's something that I've uh, touched upon in one of the very early episodes of When in Spain, when I was talking about uh, the neighbourhood where I live, La Latina, and I was talking about the abundance still of small, independently run family grocery stores, fruit and vegetable shops, butchers, bakeries, etc. Um, I found that I buy a lot more food from small independent shops and from markets than than back in the UK. Uh, this has become uh, a, a habit of mine, which I love because I just enjoy shopping and buying things in different small independent shops rather than going to great big uh, soulless supermarkets. And in Spain, um, there are still, you know, every town and city is going to have at least one municipal indoor market which which sells a huge range of uh, of fresh produce and it's just a massively more uh, enjoyable uh, shopping experience uh, very often and i'd say nine times out of ten the, the quality of produce is much better uh, the price is probably the same as the supermarket oftentimes cheaper as well so yeah going around with a bag and going i'll get my tomatoes in this place i'll go and buy my bread in the bakery oh i want some cheese i'll go to the uh, the cheese store or all these kinds of things like this you find yourself hopping around the neighborhood going to different places not always but very very often and it's certainly become a habit a shopping habit of mine which i was wouldn't do in the uk and why not purely because sadly in the uk we've reached a point now where big uh, supermarket chains dominate pretty much every town and city. The small independent greengrocers, bakeries, um, these kinds of places have all disappeared really in the last 20 years. Um, so there just isn't the opportunity really to, to do that. And if there are, um, they're very expensive compared to, to supermarkets, unfortunately. Number 16. Now, this is something that I found Quite strange, yeah, quite strange, really, uh, when I first uh, realised what was happening. And I actually realised this phenomenon before I even moved to Spain, when I was hanging out with uh, Spanish friends who were living in the UK, and uh, and it was their birthday. Now, um, I'm going back, I don't know, five or six years ago, and I was still in the UK, and Spanish friends would say, hey, it's my birthday, we're going to go out for drinks, you're like, great, I'll be there, of course. And um, the, the, the tradition in Spain is that if it's your birthday, you buy drinks for everyone you invite, 
Whereas in the UK, if it's your birthday, you know, everyone buys you drinks because it's your birthday, not the other way around. And I still find it kind of a bit strange that, you know, it's your birthday. So surely people should be buying you a drink as kind of like a present. But no, not so in Spain. And I've celebrated several birthdays now in Spain. And, you know, you invite lots of uh, friends along. And basically, certainly for the kind of first few drinks, you kind of put a tab behind the bar. Everyone orders their drinks. And at the end of the night, you settle up the tab. And yeah, it's really the tradition in Spain. It's the person whose birthday it is will pay for everyone, will pay for everyone's drinks. Maybe not if you go to a restaurant for food, no, but certainly for drinks. Uh, if it's your birthday, you'll be landed with the big fat tab. So think about how many people you invite to your birthday because it can end up being quite expensive. Having said that, you know, it's not to say that, um, you know, maybe later in the night, some of your friends will buy you a few drinks as well. But it's certainly uh, different to the UK. Don't expect that uh, your friends um, to buy or maybe your work colleagues, I don't know, to buy you drinks for your birthday. Number 17, last one really. I'm going to talk about a couple of other points as well, which are habits that I don't think I have adopted. Number 17, making the effort to set a table, sit down at home, you know, in a very civilized way with serviettes, with paper serviettes in a little holder, which will get put in the centre of the table, the cutlery gets laid out, glasses get laid out on the table, uh, a bottle of uh, water will be put out on the table, just to sit down and eat lunch, you know, in a, on a weekday afternoon at home. I mean, it's great because it's, again, it just shows the kind of how serious Spanish people take their food and it's something to be sit to sit down and enjoy and to be taken seriously, not just something that you chuck on a plate you and then you sit down on the sofa and eat it with a plate on your lap, watching the TV. In Spain, I've noticed, and certainly with my uh, uh, girlfriend, Karina, and we live together, for her, it's very important that when she comes home that we prepare the food, that we lay the table, that we sit at the table uh, to eat, that there should be water and there should be paper napkins or serviettes or whatever you want to call them, and that's how we do it. Whereas I'm thinking of the UK, eating at home would be... And it's not good, I suppose, but again, I'm just comparing habits um, with Spain and my experience in the UK. For lunch at home, I'd quite often just stand in the kitchen at the worktop counter eating, or I would sit on the sofa with the TV on, with the plate on my lap or on a tray. Uh, no, in Spain, even if you're eating at home, it's no, 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 we've got to sit down, we've got to you know, clear the table, make it look nice, glasses, water, napkins, serviettes, this kind of thing uh, as well. And just while I'm on that subject, which kind of goes back to eating lunch at home and preparing food from scratch, eating much bigger lunches at, at home than I would, uh, than I used to do in the UK. So really having two courses, having a cooked hot, hot uh, dish, whatever it is, whether it's fish or meat and vegetables or whatever, and then having a salad, prepared separately with it. Not necessarily a dessert, but certainly two separate dishes for lunch at home. Now, you know, for me, it's just in the UK, no way. It would be uh, a quick sandwich. It wouldn't necessarily be something cooked even. It would just be something that's almost just ready to go. So there you go. So there are my 17 habits that I have found myself adopting uh, since living in Spain, some more than others, obviously. But just to touch on two others that came up in the Facebook group, uh, a few people said they'd adopted the habit of being less punctual. I have to say that no. And I think, you know, people say, oh, it's a cliche that Spanish people always arrive late and no, no, no. Yes and no. I would say in general, I find Spanish people no less punctual than Brits or than my friends in the UK. You know, I'm personally, I'm not a very punctual person anyway. I never was in the UK. I'd quite often rock up 10 or 15 minutes late or I'd always find myself messaging ahead saying, sorry guys, I'm, I'm going to be half an hour late. And that's just me. I'm not very punctual and it's not, not a good thing. Um, but I would say in my experience that no, I wouldn't say Spanish people are any less punctual in my experience per se, when I've, uh, whether it's meeting friends, whether you've organised uh, a meeting. In my, in my experience, no. So it's not, a habit, it's not a habit that I've adopted. I would maybe say that Spanish people are 
perhaps a bit more forgiving if you're late and you don't necessarily feel like you have to message ahead. But I still would say that, yeah, it's not really. In my experience living in Madrid, and I don't know in smaller towns and villages, but in my experience in Madrid, it would be unacceptable to arrive half an hour late. And, and it, well, you know, you could do as long as you messaged ahead and say, look, I'm sorry, we're going to be half an hour late. OK, fine. But just to assume that it's OK to arrive half an hour late, even 15 minutes late without saying five or 10 minutes. OK, no problem. So, yeah, for me, I would say I haven't become a less punctual person <laughs> since being in Spain. I mean, that would be hard to do anyway, because I'm already pretty uh, impunctual. <laughs> the other one that came up in the Facebook group was the siesta. Again, I don't know whether it depends on your lifestyle, uh, whether you work or um, and, and I'm kind of addressing uh, you guys, the listeners. Um, and we have a real mixed bag of different age groups and different situations amongst the one in Spain listeners. I know some of you are retired. Some of you work part time. Some of you only live in Spain part of the year. And many of you are working full time as well. So I think it, it, it totally depends on your own personal uh, circumstances. Uh, for me, no siesta. No, not really. Um, and per- to be honest, I don't really like it. Um, I'm just one of these weird people because people say, oh my God, you're so lucky. You could have the option of having a snooze for an hour in the afternoons. Well, not really anyway. I couldn't. But I also find myself even at the weekends, if I have a, a nap in the afternoon for an hour or an hour and a half or even half an hour, and I do manage to kind of drop off to sleep, I wake up feeling kind of more groggy and I find myself feeling worse than before I fell asleep, really. So to actually lay down and go to sleep for me a siesta, not really, no. Maybe if I was on holiday in Spain, yeah, maybe. But I often just find I I wake up, find find myself feeling worse and more groggy and I kind of of wake myself up again and get back into what I was doing. So for me, um, no, the siesta doesn't doesn't really work. And um, I don't know, in Madrid, certainly it's something that's less common uh, Monday to Friday. Uh, maybe at the weekends, yes, people on a Sunday afternoon after their, their, their Sunday lunch, you'll definitely notice that the streets are just completely quiet. There's no one around, um, you know, after about 4pm until about you know, 7 or 8pm, uh, everywhere's deserted, it suddenly turns into a ghost town. And um, yeah, for this reason, people are at home having a siesta. I mean, my version of a siesta would be just relaxing, maybe watching the TV or something, but actually not, not really going to bed or going to sleep. So that wraps up the 17 habits that I've picked up since living in Spain. I'm sure there are a few more that I haven't managed to think of or or I'm sure there are other habits that I will uh, adopt in the future, I don't know. I'd be interested to know from you guys, the listeners, any other habits that you've picked up uh, since living or spending significant amounts of time in Spain. Feel free to drop a, a note in the Facebook group or send me an email and maybe I'll pick this theme up again in, a, in another podcast in the future. So just before I go, just a note to say that, um, yeah, we've had quite a few guests on When in Spain episodes during the last, I don't know, month or two, I guess. And obviously in this episode, it's just me. But don't worry, I've got uh, lots more guests lined up for future episodes. I've got a really interesting guest for you guys in the next episode of When in Spain and uh, in future episodes as well. I'm not going to tell you actually who the guest is for the next episode. Fairly high profile, I guess. Had a really interesting kind of experience living in Madrid. Not an experience that, well, an experience that really almost none of us would ever have. And this person's also published, uh, recently published a book about this experience. And I'm not going to say any more than that. So stay tuned uh, for the next episode next week for the interview with this guest. And as I say, I've got plenty of other guests lined up as well. And I've had lots of really positive uh, feedback from, from you guys about having guests on the show. So where possible, I will try and get as many guests on the show as, as, as I can. It does take a bit of time and coordination to, to set up guests because quite often they're not necessarily in Madrid or even in Spain. Um, but yeah, certainly that's the plan for uh, future episodes is to try and include as many guests as possible. And from time to time, you will have episodes like this one where it's just me on my own talking to you guys the listeners so we'll leave it there uh just a quick reminder that i always do for new listeners just a note to say that uh, when in spain is active on all of the usual uh social media hangouts particularly on facebook we have a nice friendly and lively when in spain facebook 
group, which you can join easily, totally for free, of course. And I think we've got well over a thousand members. I think even over 1100 members now in the group, growing and growing uh, every day. Uh, it's your place to share any questions, thoughts, ideas, any photos, articles, content, specifically about Spain. And it's obviously a great place to socialize with other people who are Spain fans as well. Uh, if you're into photography, I try and share as much as possible on the When in Spain Instagram account. Uh, we're also on Twitter, although to be honest, I'm not a big fan of Twitter. I don't seem to do much tweeting, you know, but if you are and you want to follow When in Spain and you'd like to tweet me, uh, When in Spain is on Twitter as well. And we also have a YouTube video channel as well, which I'm going to be dedicating a lot more time and effort to soon. We've got a handful of videos on there. I'm going to be producing more through the summer as well. And if you'd like to get in touch with me directly for any particular reason, whether you have particular questions or any feedback or uh, suggestions about the podcast, uh, which many of you have done, I'm really grateful for that. Uh, many of you have contacted me to say you're going to be in Madrid and you'd like to meet up and absolutely great. I'm completely up for doing that. And I think we'll be doing that uh, with a few of you in September. For those of you who, who tried to, we tried to organise a meetup and I couldn't, I'm really sorry uh, that I couldn't make it. It's either because of work commitments or that I wasn't in Madrid for whatever reason. To get in touch with me directly, it's wheninspain1 at outlook.com. Wheninspain1 at outlook.com. And don't forget, Patreon, if you'd like to support the show with just a dollar or two a month, patreon.com forward slash when in Spain. We have 21 patrons supporting the show with small monthly donations. Uh, we can always use more. So again, if you've enjoyed this episode, if you enjoy the When in Spain podcast in general and you'd like to see it grow and continue, as I certainly would, then uh, please consider making a small donation uh, via patreon.com. And let's see if we can get to my, my goal of 50 patrons supporting When in Spain. So there we go, 17 habits. Please do uh, feel free to tell me any habits that you've picked up via any of the social media platforms that I've just uh, talked about. As always, it's a pleasure talking to you guys and thank you for listening and continuing to support the show. So until next week, when I will talk to you again, have a great week and hasta luego. Thank you.